Welcome to Market Mentors, a podcast for the marketing leaders of today and tomorrow. I'm Fiona Jensen, a director and co-owner of Market Recruitment. For over a decade, I've been helping B2B marketeers find the best jobs with great companies. Together, we'll discover how marketing experts reach the top and learn from their experience. Ask career-related questions you can't get answers to elsewhere. Be tough, be challenged, be mentored. One of the ambitions we had when starting out on this project was to share our access to some of the best B2B marketeers in the business. No doubt inspirational, experienced, charismatic, but also human, engaging and honest. It's my pleasure to introduce one of these marketing leaders today, Miguel Adal. 25 years of international marketing experience under his belt, working for the likes of Pepsi, Procter & Gamble, Hewlett-Packard and most recently VMware. Miguel has a passion for building teams that operate with a high sense of purpose and impact. With great energy and modesty, this warm, multilingual marketing dad has some great career advice to share. I'm here with Miguel Adal. Thanks ever so much for your time today. Much appreciated. Um, So why don't you talk us through your skills and experience and who you are and what sort of level you're at currently? Yeah, sure. Um, Yeah, Miguel Adao. I'm Portuguese, but I've lived um, all over. I've lived in nine countries, learned my English in the U.S., in Ohio, hence the uh, slight American accent. You'd never notice. Uh, (laughs) Married uh, with a wonderful British lady from West Sussex. We have two uh, amazing kids, Olivia, who's 10, and Nico, who's 8. And over here at VMware, VMware is a software company focusing on cloud and security and mobility. I run um, a um, team of 23 marketers in the UK, in the Nordics, uh, the Baltics, and also in Benelux, um, focusing on this next stage in our evolution. VMware is completing its 20-year anniversary this year. Uh, we're now evolving to what we call Act 2, evolving from virtualized uh, type of software, hence the VM in VMware, virtual machine. That's where we made our mark over the past 15 plus years. And now this next stage is really focusing on the, the clouds, public clouds, private clouds, um, security, uh, mobility. And um, yeah, it's an exciting time to be in software. Fantastic. Well, thanks ever so much for the overview. Um, We have some very good questions here from Mm -hmm. our marketing listeners who want to get a piece of uh, career advice from you as to how to get to where you are today. Um, So should we head straight into the interview? Yeah, I just want to say before we start, I I, thank you for the opportunity. I love doing um, podcasts or uh, teaching marketing. I've also, I have a doctorate in in marketing uh, because one day after I finish this kind of corporate experience. I want to go and teach in university. I want to publish. I want to um, do even more mentoring than I do today. I'm extremely passionate about marketing. And this is an, uh, a tremendous opportunity as well for me to share some of my experiences and, uh, and, and, and uh, insights from my 25, 26 years in marketing. Gosh, is that all? (laughs) Well, we're all ears. We can't wait to uh, get cracking. So um, what's the best career advice you've ever been given or found for yourself? Yeah, it's um, 
follow your passion. Just really, this was a very good advice that I got actually from somebody at Hewlett Packard where I worked. I was talking to him about what should my next role be, Andy? Where do I go from here? Should I take this role? And I was being very tactical about particular job openings. And he said, Miguel, let's take a step back. What's your passion? What are you passionate about? Because the alarm is going to go off at six in the morning. What's going to make you want to get up and and, and do something? So I've taken that to heart. And I always share that with people I interview with, with my team members, with my kids. Follow your passion because everything else will just fall into place once you are truly enthusiastic about what you're doing. Now, it doesn't mean you love every single day and every single activity. We all have to do things that sometimes, you know, the admin and some of the other pieces of our job that are maybe not as enticing. But in general, you have to be passionate about your role and about your ability to contribute. Fantastic. What skills do you think marketeers should be investing in in the future? So... um, There are hard skills and soft skills, right? In terms of soft skills, marketing needs to be, marketeers need to be even stronger than they have been in the past in terms of leadership and communication skills. Marketing is growing as a discipline, is growing in importance, and companies are appreciating more and more the uh, contribution that marketing can make. So we have a seat at the table next to the uh, sales leaders and the technical leaders and the financial leaders, we have an, an opportunity to have our voice and our opinion heard. So from a soft skill uh, point of view, you really want to make sure you hone and you strengthen your leadership and your communication uh, skills within your internal audiences and uh, external as well. From a hard uh, kind of discipline, hard skills point of view, I would say, Digital marketing, digital and social, it's something that didn't exist certainly when I started in marketing. Um, and even now, I would say we're in its infancy. And the, the ability to tap into digital and social and search and different types of um, uh, vehicles to amplify your message, uh, we're just now starting to scratch the surface. So I would encourage everyone who's uh, getting into or continuing a marketing career to really strengthen their digital and social uh, aspects of their toolkit. Great advice. And um, what advice would you give to ambitious marketeers looking to get to the next level when they haven't operated at that level before? Yeah, I always think of words of previous mentors or bosses or even peers or subordinates, people that I've looked up to and people that have inspired me and left me with with some 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 insightful lessons and one that I learned from the CEO actually at HP at the time um, Meg Whitman she always used to say run to the fire don't be afraid to run to the fire the company and the community your ecosystem will appreciate it when you actually see a situation you actually raise your hand and you volunteer to run to that crisis or that intense moment and help out that is something that will ultimately pay dividends. So that's something I always encourage people to, to, to do. Don't be afraid to, um, to, to tackle the hard problems. What is the worst advice you've heard and why? Hmm. Yeah, there's this uh, myth, this urban myth that we've reached um, the pinnacle of innovation. And that could apply to marketing, could apply to uh, just 
engineering could apply to uh, research and development. And that is not true. We have not reached a maximum of innovation. In fact, it's the opposite. Our CEO, our current CEO, Pat Kelsgar here at VMware, likes to say that today will be the slowest day of the rest of our lives in terms of innovation. Innovation is only accelerating. So this notion that everything has been discovered, everything under the sun has already been invented, that is absolutely not the case. In fact, the opposite is true. So that's that's a... Uh, yeah, that's a mistaken premise that there is no more innovation in business or in marketing. Quite the opposite. Um, having interviewed a host of B2B marketeers over the years, what advice would you give them to perform better? Yeah, a um, couple of things on this one. Stakeholder alignment is absolutely crucial. So marketing cannot be confused. We're not here to create pretty campaigns or um, interesting merchandising or events or assets. We're here to help the business meet its goal. And the goal is usually around revenue growth, around tapping into new markets. So stakeholder alignment, and by stakeholder, I'm focusing specifically on the internal stakeholders, but also the external stakeholders, the customers, the end users, the partner uh, community, etc. But be mindful of that stakeholder alignment. Make sure that you're not operating in a vacuum um, because ultimately marketing is but one additional lever or tool, a powerful one, in the whole company's um, uh, engine as it strives to reach its ultimate vision, which is usually around um, profitable growth, uh, revenue growth. The other other thing I would say is be mindful to not confuse. This was another piece of advice I got from another manager many years ago when I was at Pepsi, so in B2C. Mm. Um, I love um, that experience. Yeah, so it was a good good experience. I learned my marketing at Procter & Gamble and Pepsi-Cola, a couple other companies in Latin America. And and, uh, a former manager there always used to tell me to not confuse activity with results. So this goes back to my stakeholder alignment, the alignment to the vision. Um, make sure that um, what you're doing has a purpose, a higher purpose, not just to execute and deliver a particular program or, or, or initiative, but that it actually contributes to the ultimate goal. So make sure that the results, the outcomes um, prevail rather than just the execution of an activity. Fantastic. Um, and what advice would you give your 20 or 30 year old self now? <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's a good one. Um, my, my wife is very spiritual and I learned a lot from, from her. She reads a lot of books. And one book that she's rereading now is, uh, was written years ago by an American guru. Um, one of these self-help books. But um, don't sweat the small stuff. Right. Oh, yes. and, and it's all small stuff, I like right? That one. So yeah, yeah, it's it's very interesting because ba- basically we and I could have learned this in my twenties, in my thirties, even now. I uh, need to remind myself it's not worth worrying about things um, all the time because in, at the end of the day, if we're alive and healthy, everything else will sort itself out. So um, yeah, just just take it easy. Don't get overly worried, frustrated, uh, angry. Um, yeah, address the problem, whatever it may be, in your personal or professional life. Um, but as you look back 
at what seemed to be the biggest problems in your career, actually, um, they weren't that big after all, perhaps. Absolutely. I always think that uh, if you can worry about it, you can learn from it. Yeah, that's true. When you're interviewing candidates, what key things do you look for? Yeah, passion. Passion is the first thing. Passion, energy, um, engagement, attitude. Those are the first things that shine through within the first 30 seconds. And I always like to say, and I think this is validated by research, an interview is 30 seconds of making an opinion and then the remaining 59 minutes of validating that opinion. So you know uh, immediately now somebody could have a bad day, et cetera. But in general, uh, it's that passion that shines through. And it has to be genuine, right? It can't be fake. It can't be forced because people pick up on that as well. So uh, that's why when you're passionate about what you do, what you say, who you are, it, it shines through. The other thing I would say is, Come prepare, do some homework on the company, on the role. Um, bring a, an interesting and fresh point of view, how perhaps you could add value. Don't. It's very often that I see an interviewee talking about how the job would be good for them. But it's nice, but it's equally important, perhaps even more important for us on the hiring side to know how your arrival will help the organization move the needle. So be mindful that you, your f- focus is balanced between how it can help you in your career, but also it can help the company to bring you in. Really good advice. If you were interviewing for a B2B marketing role, what would you need answering in order to feel confident it's the one for you? Yeah, that's a, a good question. I have several several things that are on my mental checklist um, for, for that. And interestingly, compensation is like number nine on the mm-hmm. list. It's never at the top of, of the list. It used to be when I didn't make enough money. But now, it's uh, thankfully, it's, it's not a concern or it's not a priority. The priority is understanding the vision. Where does the company, where does the organization want to go? Um, is it doable? Is it an inspiring? Is it aspirational? Um, coupled with that is a corporate culture. VMware has the best corporate culture of any company I've ever worked for, and I've worked for six or seven American companies. In terms, we have something called the epic values around execution and passion and integrity and customer, hence the word epic. And um, corporate culture is very, very important because it transcends to then team culture to the individual culture. So a fit there is crucial. I would also say, um, obviously, it'd be important to understand what are the prospects for this role What's the um, the growth path for that particular role? Because you always want to think not just at, about the role that you're about to embark on, but also where could that potentially lead for for you and for the organization? Um, what the reward might be for your commitment and uh, hard, not, not hard so work? Much, yeah, not so much a reward. I'm just thinking, um, could this role lead to even more responsibility in the future? Could it mm. lead to a, a geographic scope uh, expansion? Could it lead to a team uh, expansion? Or could it lead to eventually that pinnacle of my aspiration, which is to make to CMO, Chief Marketing Officer of a, uh, a Fortune 100 company? So um, when you think about that, and then the rewards and the benefits and the recognition, the financials, uh, will follow, but it's more in terms of that that path. And the final thing, uh, there are others, but certainly for to answer the question today, I would say, who's your manager going to be? Right. It's very important to to know 
you have the dynamic, you're going to spend more time with this person, perhaps even more than with your own spouse and family. So you want to make sure there's uh, chemistry. It doesn't mean you have to agree on everything or like each other uh, on everything and like each other as if you were friends, but you have to have a, a strong mutual uh, respect and, and, and trust for the dynamic to, to work. So these are some questions that, that cross my mind when uh, I'm interviewing, whether it's a role internally or as took place three years ago when I was approached by uh, VMware via LinkedIn. That's, those are the things that were on my mind when, uh, when I considered joining this company. Very interesting. Thank you. What was the best or, or the biggest learning curve you had when you got your first senior leadership role in B2B marketing? Yeah, this is the most senior leadership role I've had. And um, I've gone at HP. I manage a team of um, Hewlett Packard, where I was three years ago. I managed a team of seven people. Now I'm managing a team of 23 people. Solid line to me. Uh, when you include all the what I call the family and friends network, folks who are either passionate about marketing or are in other teams but have a strong connection to what we're doing in Northern Europe, um, therefore become sort of dotted line part of my bigger team. We're talking about 40, 50 people in my uh, weekly um, all-hands all uh, staff meetings or team meetings. So that has taken quite a... Um, big learning curve for me to go from a team of managing five to a team of managing dozens. Um, you spend a lot of your time in people management, right? And you become more and more the conductor of the orchestra rather than playing individual instruments. I still roll my sleeves up and I execute and I get down in, in the trenches with, with the team. But at this level, and I suspect for the rest of my career, you are playing that kind of um, the inspiration, you're playing the, the, the role of the visionary, the, um, the leader rather than the manager. And, and by definition, a manager um, is, is there very close, actually leading people along the path they want to see them. A leader takes a step back, hires the best possible people and gets out of the way and just facilitates and accelerates and filters out all the politics and enables the team to shine. So I've had this opportunity, this tremendous opportunity to really let my team blossom and uh, and grow. And I'm so pleased of, uh, that in the past three years of the 23, 24 people on my team, 19 are new, either new to the company or 19, or new to their role or have otherwise been promoted or given uh, secondary assignments, et cetera. So there's been a lot of... Um, movement positive movement in the team and that's uh, that's something that i pride myself in when you get to a certain level in an organization we have a, a some critical mass in your team this is where you can really add values by 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 contributing to the growth of the individuals and the the um the the team spirit within within the organization Market Mentors is produced by Pod Audio, a subscription production service that takes the pain out of podcasting. From advice and support to editing and production to music and artwork, Pod Audio has you covered. Supercharge your podcasting. Just hit record and let Pod Audio do the rest. Pod Audio, save time, sound like a pro. What do you do to keep up to speed with the latest B2B marketing practices? Yeah, I remember reading some research that said um, um, 
I don't remember the percentages, but actually very little, when we get to a certain level, very little of our learning comes from formal training, right? We still do have day um, refresher courses. We all have to do the ethics and compliance. And sometimes we, we, we are sent to either Cranfield or some other uh, Stanford in U.S. And we, we do a two-week uh, type of uh, executive program, which is great. But that's few and far in between. It's really 80%, probably even more is on the job, right? So you're always learning. And I'm always looking for sources of, of insight and, and teaching. It doesn't have to come just from my superiors. It comes from my peers. And very often it comes from my uh, subordinates because these are, I have lots of millennials in my team who are digital natives. They grew up in this environment. So for them, um, certainly when it comes to what I mentioned earlier about digital and social, it's second nature for them. It's, they, they speak their language, that language since they were born. So I learned a lot from, from uh, the younger members of the team as well. But yeah, I surround myself um, and I, I, I seek out um, various sources of, of, of insight and education. And then I read and I um, try to keep up with uh, interesting articles and, and books, although I don't have much time to read books, but certainly uh, blogs. And, um, and I certainly want to know what's going on in the world as well. Not just the world at large, but also the world of business, the world of marketing, the world of uh, B2B. Mm, fantastic. So what past failure or uncomfortable experience set you up for success at a later date? <laughs> going back to the uh, don't sweat the small stuff, um, it's ironic, but every single job rejection I've received, and there have been quite a few, both internally and externally in my career, have led to better things. So I've now learned to quickly turn the disappointment into acceptance and actually um, very uh, kind of philosophical bliss. It's actually kind of, it sounds cliche, it sounds a bit cheesy, but when, when an opportunity, whether it's a job opportunity or a particular program or a particular request for budget, anything like that, you're disappointed, of course, because you fought for something. But um, at the end of the day, based on my experience, and I don't see why this shouldn't continue, it only leads to better things. So um, I would say, yeah, just trust that there are um, greater forces that work here. Call it destiny, call it religion, call it what you... But at the end of the day, if you work hard enough, you persevere. For me, perseverance is worth more than uh, anything else. Tenacity. There's a quote, like maybe it was Oscar Wilde. Somebody said, talent doesn't even come close to tenacity. Uh, luck can help, but really it's tenacity and perseverance. And even those uh, rejections, whether it's a rejection of a job or a rejection of a program or rejection of an award nomination, whatever it is, um, they lead to, uh, to uh, good things in the end. What a nice outlook. Very optimistic. I like it. How has marketing changed since you started out on your career? Hmm. Um, the basics are still the same. You still have the four P's of marketing. You still have this journey that you're trying to take your constituencies through from awareness to uh, consideration of your product or service or solution to preference to eventually purchase. So you still want to do that. You've got, of course, the price, the packaging, the product, the promotion, etc. 
um, and you have the different aspects of marketing, the above the line with the big uh, kind of uh, TV or print advertising, the below the line, which is kind of one-to-one or one-to-few with account-based marketing, ABM for kind of one-to-one. You can do your vertical marketing or industry marketing. So though the, the, the kind of the disciplines that were started probably by Procter & Gamble 100 years ago, they're the ones, one of my former employers that actually started some of these um, uh, disciplines and premises around segmentation, marketing, etc. That hasn't changed. What has changed, as I alluded at the beginning of the, the, the conversation, um, is mar- marketing has a greater ability to make a difference now in this kind of always-on world. And therefore, we have the responsibility to be even more thoughtful and integrated in everything we do. So in the past... I feel, certainly my experience, that you could do an event here, you can put an ad, uh, do a PR activity there, you can do some demand generation, pipeline generation activity. Now we need to be more integrated and make sure that uh, we're still not there as an industry, as a discipline. Marketing is still not there, but we need to figure out a way and work on ways to uh, ensure that our stakeholders slash customers slash uh, partners um, are receiving, perceiving, uh, uh, engaging with us at different points along that customer journey in the way that is meaningful to them, that is relevant to them, that is um, impactful. Um, and that means ensuring that all the different touch points, all the different activities, campaigns, assets, initiatives are all conspiring, quote unquote, conspiring together to deliver the right type of message at the right type of time with the right type of audience. Um, I would also say that marketing needs to continue to evolve in its demonstration of value, demonstration of ROI. It's the perennial question, what is the value of a marketing event, campaign, TV, advertisement, or other? Um, So the Romi, Return on Marketing Investment, is is still very much a... uh, a, a, a tricky question to ask, especially in the enterprise space and commercial or what we call SMB. It's a little bit easier because you have telemarketing, direct marketing, you have your pipeline uh, engine, and you can demonstrate that by having a certain type of uh, um, demand generation activity, you created uh, these many raw leads, which became opportunities, which eventually converted to a, a win to a sale. At the enterprise, in the large kind of B2B space, where these things take, sometimes these pursuits take a year plus, and where so many different uh, parts of the organization are engaging, it's hard to demonstrate still today where marketing can add that value. Now, we, can, we, we, we are getting better at showing at the different points uh, of, of that journey how we helped accelerate, influence, move a conversation forward, and even introduce new untapped um, customer bases to the organization. But it's an ongoing um, uh, battle, an ongoing um, pursuit for marketing to demonstrate value through uh, return on, on budget and marketing dollars. Describe your perfect B2B marketing department or examples of teams you've seen smash it and why you think they've smashed it. And also, what kind of budget did they have or activity they undertook? Yeah. Um, 
That's a big one. Um, I like to think in terms of three tiers, three levels. You got the vision, you got the strategies, and you got the tactics. So you want to make sure that your resources, whether budget, your question, or your people, your time, the three finite resources on the planet, money, time, and people, right, are aligned appropriately. You want to make sure you always go back to the vision. That's your North Star, and you always want to check in and see that you are aligned to the corporate vision, that you are indeed, is this activity going to help the company reach its goal, which again is typically to either create a new market or to grow the market or to um, um, become more profitable or to become the number one player in a particular segment, etc. Um, so is what you're doing helping in, in that regard? Um, so the vision is crucial. And for that, again, you need to be perfectly aligned with the leaders of the organization and sales and, and management. And, um, and even on the technical side, at, at a software company, the technical uh, R&D side, the BUs, the business units, are um, very important, as are, of course, the, uh, the, the go-to-market leaders, the sales leaders. So there's the vision part. Um, from a strategy uh, point of view, Again, um, as you bring that vision and you bring it down to a kind of the, the strategies of marketing, you identify your three or four pillars. These are the key things you're going to focus on. So, for instance, for us here in uh, VMware Marketing, the three key strategies we want to focus on to help meet the ultimate corporate vision of double-digit growth year on year are around we need to talk to the C-level more as a company, the CIO, the CTO, the COO. We typically um, engage with three levels below the, C, the, 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 the C-suite. So we want to make sure our marketing activities and execution uh, reaches that, that C-level. Number two, we want to change the brand perception out there. As I mentioned, VMware historically uh, was known as a virtualized type of company, virtualized software uh, type of company. We're evolving to a cloud mobility and security story. And we want to change those brand perceptions through a variety of, of marketing mechanisms. And then the third piece is we want to really grow and leverage and scale our marketing engine. So all the different activities we have going on and millions and millions of dollars being spent in a variety of uh, mechanisms, we want to make sure that we automate and we scale that so a lot of that runs on its own. So those strategies underpinned by that vision uh, make sure, ensures that we're not doing what we call random acts of marketing, <laughs> just doing things willy-nilly because somebody asked us or because we thought it would be a good idea. We always need to go back. And then the last layer is the tactics, the execution. you got to deliver, so you have to make sure that you, um, you execute, you deploy and deliver the program um, to its full capacity. Fantastic. Uh, thanks for that. Um, what book, uh, th- this is a question which we're going to ask quite a lot of our marketing mentors, I think, because mm-hmm. it seems quite an important uh, one. And we have had to limit it down to one because I think often there's about 15 or 20 odd that you could really recommend. But um, in your instance, what, what is the book you recommend the most to B2B marketeers today? Yeah, I'm reading a book right now. And I, again, I don't have much time to... Um... To read these days, I have a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old. So when I'm not working or traveling, I just want to play with them. 
And by the time they go to bed and spend some time watching a movie, having a glass of wine with my wife, by that time we are uh, so tired, everybody goes to bed. Um, get a little bit of reading done on the weekend, vacations, on a plane. Um, my, my preferred kind of therapeutic uh, activity, actually, when I have the time, is to do uh, Sudokus, killer Sudokus, the hard ones. Oh, wow. The ones that take an hour and a half to complete. That, that's how I keep my, 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 my brain going. But one book I am rereading now, and in fact, I recently bought an extra copy, and I offered it to our new VP in the U.K., um, who's Spanish. I'm Portuguese. He's Spanish. We're talking about the Jesuits and how the Jesuit order started in Iberia uh, 450 years ago. There's a very interesting book called Heroic Leadership by a former Jesuit who then, what a transition and career move, he went from being a Jesuit uh, um, priest to becoming a a corporate man in Wall Street. Uh, Private equity, I believe it was J.P. Morgan, and he wrote this book about heroic leadership and the tenets and the uh, premises of a very, actually a very small community of Jesuits that then spread um, the word, um, and I'm not particularly religious, but spread the Jesuit message around the world 450 years ago. And the whole notion around the ability to engage, the ability to empathize, uh, the ability to be humble, that's what um, the book uh, calls heroic leadership. Leadership is not being dismissive or uh, brutal or a bully or pushy, although we're seeing examples of that around the world today, that's not true leadership. True leadership is actually um, in this heroic uh, Jesuit type of uh, premise, being very humble, actually taking a step back, allowing the others to, 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 to grow and to, to lead the way. In fact, it's ironic. It's kind of counterintuitive. A leader lets the others lead and then you're there to guide. So that's a book I offered our new uh, VP, uh, Jordi Ferrer, and because I bought it for him, I uh, decided to uh, pick it up and read it again. So that's what I'm reading, rereading right now. Fantastic. That's a really interesting one, actually. Mm. That's not on the, all, all the uh, book lists Typical. at the no. moment. No, exactly. <laughs> I like it. Um, what's the toughest interview question that you've been asked? <laughs> the ones about, you know, what's your greatest weakness? Those are always tough. They shouldn't be, but they're tough because it's just uh, human nature. We don't lock like to talk about our weaknesses. Um, by the way, my weaknesses are that, and that's the way I've answered this question when it comes up, or that I do, I am impatient. That comes with passion, right? There's a fine line between passion and impatience, and I'm trying in my old age to, uh, to manage that impatience and to understand that not everybody moves at the same speed. And just because somebody moves at a little bit more slow uh, pace and perhaps somebody is not as overtly enthusiastic and expressive does not mean that they're not in their own way passionate about, about what they're doing. And in fact, maybe even more so than the ones that are gest- <laughs> um, so demonstrably uh, externally uh, uh, enthusiastic. So I've learned... Um, to manage my impatience, both impatient in terms of speed that things move forward, but also in terms of tolerance, understanding other people's um, approaches. And that's actually healthy to have kind of um, different uh, approaches, different, you know, the old uh, 
conversation about introverts versus extroverts or analytical people versus more kind of action biased people. It's good to have a mix of all those. No, but the, 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 the trickiest, toughest, and certainly the silliest questions I've received and I've heard in, over the years, um, very early in my career, I don't even know if these are asked anymore, but how many grains of sand are there in Florida? Or how many televisions are there in the world? And I always found, I, I remember I interviewed um, for a job at McKinsey, the, uh, the strategy consultants, and those are some of the questions they asked very early in my career. In the end, I went with um, uh, a different company with Pepsi. But uh, it just struck me as, and of course, they don't want the answer because nobody knows the answer. If they do, that's not the point. It's, you're asking to understand your thought process as you kind of break things down analytically. But I've always, uh, I, I found those uh, kind of silly. I don't, I don't think they necessarily um, teach too much about your candidate. <laughs> no, exactly. Mm. It's a bit random on that. <laughs> um, what do you listen to when you need to focus? Um, yeah, I listen to music all the time. As you can see, I have, uh, we're here in my office today, and I, I have, I'm lucky I have this enclosed space. And when I'm not meeting with a team, um, when I'm working on something, especially something that requires some deeper <laughs> concentration, I like to listen to um, instrumental music. And it could be classical music. It could be techno. Mm-hmm. It could be movie soundtracks. As long as there are no words that distract me, yeah. just instrumental uh, sound, uh, that's the type of music I like to listen to. Now, in my um, time away from work, I like to listen to a variety of music with words, Um my my kids uh, are now certainly my my eldest is starting to listen to more the current pop music which I stopped listening many years ago so I'm being introduced to a whole new um, wave of music but I'm a child of the '80s so for me it's all about Tears for Fears, Duran Duran, New Order, Journey. Those are my those are the the, the bands and the songs that, that really uh You've got very good back. taste. <laughs> very good taste. Thank you. Um, so with pressures of general life, how do you manage the work-life balance and how important is that in today's society? It's so important and I'm failing at it. I'm <laughs> failing at it. I'm reminding myself every day that my kids will not be 10 and 8 forever. So I really am... My wife, again, is helping me, reminding me of this. I, when I get home... Put the PC away, put the uh, phone away, and ju- really concentrate. I'm I'm proud that I've I've been able to master this um, this demon uh, better in the last couple of years. That's certainly been my resolution: is really concentrate on my family and my own kind of personal hobbies and tastes when I'm away from work. It's so hard now when you have work. That follows you everywhere. When you have in this the back pocket a phone with 112 emails that were sent to you in the last two hours in your evening commute that you feel compelled to answer, and it's it's a constant um, struggle. But um, yeah, work life balance is so important. So I really want to be a better role model for some of my family, but also for my team in terms of. Work hard and play hard. So, yeah, really give it your all at work. But in your weekends, in the evening, and certainly on your vacation, try to disconnect, get off the grid, and really just stop and smell the roses. So it's a constant reminder for me and for all of us in the corporate world. Switch off those phones. Oh, yeah. 
So what parting words of wisdom or advice would you share with our audience? Uh, parting words of wisdom. Um, live in the here and now. Um, that, that would be my, again, that's a nice segue from the work-life balance. Live in the here and now. Life is really short. Our careers are even shorter. Um, really give it your all. Leave nothing on the field when you're at work. Uh, do it in a in an ethical and, and, and pleasant and constructive way. But um, don't spend much time thinking about either the past or the future because neither of those are very useful um, ways to spend your time. I, I, I learned a lot from uh, Eckhart Tolle, speaking of books. He wrote a great book called The Power of Now. And, um, and, and basically, what we know in this day and age in our society, we spend so much time regretting things that were or were not done in the past and so much time worrying about things that may or may not happen in the future. And Eckhart Tolle always says both activities are useless. You cannot change the past and you cannot predict the future. So be prepared for the future. Learn from your past, but focus on the here and now. So um, that's what I try to do. And that's why in this, uh, however long we've taken together, Fiona, really wanted to enjoy the now and enjoy this conversation. So thanks for the opportunity and for the chat. Thank you. Well, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, I have to say, and I'm sure that our listeners and audience will be able to uh, get quite a few pearls of wisdom out of that lovely advice. Thanks ever so much for your time. It's much appreciated. Thank you, Fiona. So there you have it. Career advice from a real marketing expert and leader in the field. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Market Mentors. If you have a marketing career-related question, you know who to ask. 